and welcome to the State of Talk podcast brought to you by the International Society for Conversation Analysis. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Saul Albert. I'm a lecturer in social science and social psychology at Loughborough University, and I have the great pleasure of bringing you an interview with Professor, now emeritus, Charles Antaki, also of Loughborough University. Charles needs little introduction for people in the field of EM and CA, but I'll do one here nonetheless. He's Professor of Language and Social Psychology and a member of the venerable Discourse and Rhetoric Group, which, with Charles's central involvement, has helped to shape the field of applied CA and discursive psychology. He's also editor of one of the premier journals in our field, Research on Language and Social Interaction, and his research interests lie in understanding ordinary and institutional interaction through conversation analysis. Alongside his fundamental conversation analytic work on social identity, explanations and accounts, formulations, and his significant range of methodological contributions over the years, Charles's extensive applied conversation analytic work in the field that's come to be known as atypical communication has involved applying conversation analysis to understanding how adults with intellectual disabilities engage in interaction, how conversational practices, for example, can promote discourses of agency for adults with profound intellectual disabilities. His recent work on police interviews has also explored questioning practices and has extended his work on atypical communication to understand how vulnerable and intellectually disabled people manage questions of fault and blame around allegations of sexual assault. His 2011 collection with Palgrave Macmillan on applied conversation analysis synthesised a range of studies that demonstrate the power of conversation analysis, not only for describing, but also for shaping the institutional and mundane settings that constitute our experiences of everyday social life. It's an immense pleasure for me as a colleague of Charles's to be able to introduce this interview, which was conducted asynchronously. So we sent Charles some questions and now I'm going to introduce those and allow him to talk to you about his career in CA in his own words. The very first experience I ever had of conversation analysis, I didn't actually realise it was conversation analysis. I was a young lecturer at Lancaster University, a social psychologist, and I was vaguely getting interested in this new thing called discourse. And I heard that there was a conference about it down in Oxford, so I duly went down and I sat in front of the, uh, in the audience, in front of what turned out to be later the luminaries of conversation analysis at the time, we now became, well, now the classics, the heritages, the Druze. And I couldn't understand a word of it. I thought, this sounds absolutely fascinating, but it's not making any sense to me. I'm going to go away and think about it. And I duly did. I went away. I thought about it. it took me a long time to think about it. And then I chanced on this wonderful chapter in Stephen Levinson's book, Pragmatics, as I think many people did who were first turned on to conversation analysis. Now, the thing about Levinson and Pragmatics is, first of all, he writes like a dream. So it's a pleasure to read him. The other thing is that he's talking about pragmatics. Now, to a social psychologist, that was novel territory, but it had the attraction 
which was missing from social psychology at the time and probably still is as far as I know, that you could see what the proof of the claims would be. The thing about social psychology, as it was done at the time, still being done now in experiments, is that you could always see other interpretations of what had just happened, other meanings of variables, other senses in which the participants could have construed what was going on, all of that. And then when you see when you see what somebody does in pragmatics, that they take a piece of text or talk and they subject it to close scrutiny and they think to themselves, they say to you, look, this can only mean this, given what's come before and what's after. And the chapter on CA was that multiplied by a million. Levinson takes some piece of talk, some exchange, and he says to you, look, if you're after proof that something is real to the participants, just look at this. For example, this is, of course, a well-known example to anybody doing CA or studying CA for the first time. You have somebody issuing an invitation like, would you be in your office for me to call by later on? And if the person doesn't answer immediately, leaves a bit of a gap, then the speaker, the person who's made the, the request, just sees straight off that the answer is going to be probably no. And Levison has a little exchange where it's the speaker themselves who then takes the floor after a short pause of about a second and says, I guess not. So there's the proof there in the very words of the people involved as to what something means. And that for a social psychologist is catnip. It's the gold standard. Social psychologists want some proof that what they claim is the case for what people think, believe, feel is actually the case. And here we are, Levinson demonstrating it, especially in conversation analysis, which is using real talk by real people in a way that you really can't argue with. We then asked Charles to talk to us about a current project, something that he's working on right now and that he's excited to talk to the members of ISCA and the wider EMCA community about. All of that got me started a long time ago on looking at communication, looking at what people did with each other, not what they say to each other, although that's the vehicle they use to do things with each other. So after Pragmatics and the Levinson chapter, I then delved into conversation analysis and suddenly the kinds of things which I remember hearing in that Oxford conference back in the early 80s started to make sense. And the more I immersed myself in CA and tried to learn it, which is not easy, especially if you're on your own and trying to pick it up yourself, got me more and more fascinated by the ways in which people did things in talk and by talk. I had a number of projects going and I was very lucky to work with two colleagues of mine in different universities, Chris Walton and Mick Finley down in Surrey, who were interested in the ways in which people 
who had atypical communication manage the business of their lives with the people they had to engage with. So that got me going on a big project where the data collection was done by Chris Walton, and he spent hours and hours and weeks and weeks and months and months videotaping in residences for people with intellectual disabilities. And that yielded many, many, many hours of videotape, which the three of us spent then effectively 12 years analysing and producing lots of papers. And that was absolutely fascinating. And at the same time as I was doing that, on and off, I got interested in other kinds of institutional talk, like, for example, uh, psychotherapy, uh, emergency calls, advice calls in health lines, those kinds of things. So the common thread would be institutional talk and the ways in which the people involved were have very different interests, perhaps, and different agendas and different experiences and different objectives manage to do the business that they are starting off on with each other. And that's been absolutely fascinating. And occasionally, not always, but occasionally, it does yield some application, which is a bonus for people doing CA. It's not always easy to see the application of it. But when that comes, that's certainly a bonus. But basically what it tells you is what CA always aims and claims to tell you. How it is that through just the manipulation of talk and the reciprocation and exchange of words with other people, you manage the business of everyday life. I also asked Charles to share with us a piece of advice, something he might say to a newly minted PhD student or indeed to one of his colleagues, and I have been the grateful beneficiary of many of his pieces of advice, just to help somebody get started or to persevere with CA. Advice to students, well, that's a difficult one. It depends how far along the student is where she or he is starting with CA or moving along and has a, a bit of a sense of it already. If you're just starting CA, then take it easy. It's not the easiest thing in the world to get into, and you've got to overcome a certain common sense view about language, which is sometimes very misleading, uh, especially the difficulty of giving up the notion that you can explain things by dint of saying what people are intending or what they're thinking or what's in the back of their minds. That's hard, and it's much more prudent to just deal with what they say and the consequences of what they say and what it means to the other person that they're talking to. So that's the first thing that a person may need to free themselves from and start to pick up the techniques for, which is seeing what words are doing as forms of display of action. Once you're into that groove, then things start to come. There are, of course, many technicalities in CA, and they take a bit of learning. But it's certainly worth it, because once you have those techniques at your fingertips, being able to take apart, deconstruct, parse, segment, and all the rest of it, some bit of talk, then you've got a much finer-grained understanding of exactly what's going on and how it's being done. So I say to the student, keep your eye on the actions being done, for sure. That's what it's all about. But also take some time to learn 
how it is to anatomize some piece of talk, how to take it apart and see how you can put it together again in the most minute bits working up like Lego bricks to break, to make up what the full featured sentence or utterance might be. That's always going to be useful. Thereafter, you're, you're off, you're running. You can look at any piece of exchange, even what seems to be very boring exchange, and discover fascinating things about the ways in which to do, which people do things. And we're still at the stage where even a starting CA analyst can uncover things which we haven't discovered yet. So that's one of the pleasures of CA, that it's still open territory and you can stake a claim and find things which have yet to be found. And that means that it's always going to be an exciting challenge and not something merely going through the motions of what's been done before. So there's a definite excitement about CA. We asked Charles to tell us about something that changed the course of his research career, a mentor, a paper, something that was a significant turning point in his journey as a conversation analyst. The thing that really energised me and made me much more able to think like a conversation analyst was coming down from my previous job at Lancaster to join the discourse and rhetoric group at Loughborough University, who were part of the School of Social Sciences at the time. I'd always been fascinated by the kinds of work that Derek Edwards, Jonathan Potter and other members of the group were doing. And I thought, let me go and get a job there and see if I can learn from them and be inspired from them uh, at closer quarters. So I did. And the Discourse and Rhetoric group meetings every Wednesday, one o'clock, without fail, were a source of wonderful inspiration and energy for me and many other people who were drawn into it. It's the kind of place where you thought to yourself, that's a very smart thing to say. And moreover, the person who's doing it, who's saying the smart thing, was able to back up her or his smartness by pointing to something in the data you had in front of you. You say, oh, right, there you are. That's my warrant for it. That's my authority for saying what I'm saying. That's the claim I'm making on the basis of this evidence. And if anything is the... Uh, sine qua non of CA, it's just that. It's saying, I'm not making this up. Look, there it is in black and white or on the videotape uh, in full colour or anonymized blurred outline. That's what's going on. And the group of people at Loughborough who were including, and I'm going to run through some names here, Celia Kitchinger, Sue Wilkinson, Liz Stokoe. There are many, many others uh, I'm, I should really name them all, but it would just take too long. And we now have a wonderful group of people, younger people who've come through, who are taking on the mantle of discourse and rhetoric group at Loughborough and taking it into entirely new territory, which is wonderful. And they become the standard bearers of CA at Loughborough, which I think is fair to say is one of the centres of excellence of CA in Britain. And that's the kind of institutional context and institutional support which really does help anybody. Somebody who's working on her or his own without many people to talk to, I don't think has as a richer time as an analyst as somebody who, like me, has benefited 
from being around very smart people who are very collegial, very kind, and very inspiring, and with whom you can test out your ideas, learn new things, check out how you're doing, talk about data, talk about ideas, from a basis of shared understandings of what you're trying to do. So if I had to point to one thing which really helped me become a more able conversation analyst, it was probably the discourse and rhetoric group at Loughborough University. Our final two questions to Charles were, firstly, whether he could point us to a piece of work that he'd done, that he had a soft spot for, that perhaps hadn't been picked up and circulated within the EMCA community as much as it might have been. And then we were going to ask him the same of others' works, whether there was some gem that he had found and that he felt could have been picked up more enthusiastically by someone else. But of course, in Charles's characteristically unassuming and generous way, he took the opportunity in both cases to point to the work of others. Well, I don't think any papers of mine are undiscovered nuggets which are going to shine out brightly in some future time. Uh, any geese which are in my CV are going to remain geese and not going to turn into swans, I don't think. But uh, another version of this is to think to yourself, what have you seen other people do that you'd like to see more of? Uh, oh, there's just thousands of those kinds of things. Every time you come across a paper which is slightly out of the way, you think, oh gosh, I'd like to see more of that. But just to pick out one, just for the sake of argument, there was just wonderful paper right out of the mainstream, not done by a conversation analyst, but by somebody who'd come across conversation analysis and wanted to have a go at it in their own domain. This was a classical Greek scholar who looked at the Iliad through the eyes of a conversation analyst. Now, of course, the Iliad is a uh, Greek uh, poem of some antiquity is not meant to be realistic in any way. It's a, a, a poetic um, epic with bits of dialogue throughout. And the analysis was eye-opening. Uh, I won't go into it now because it's, it take too long. But just as an example of the kinds of things you can see just out of the corner of your eye, you think, what an absolutely fascinating idea. I can see how it's not in the mainstream and it it may never become so, but nevertheless, it's the kind of thing which shows that CA has strange and fuzzy boundaries. And some of those things just on the fringes can be absolutely fascinating as a, a means of, as a lens through which to see parts of the world you would otherwise never consider. And here Charles responds to our request for him to identify some undiscovered gems written by other conversation analysts? That's another question where the answers could be multiple, tens, dozens, hundreds. But let me just pick out one which comes to mind quickly, which is the work of Tony Wooten. And if I was going to choose one, it's his book, Interaction and the Development of Mind. Why? Because, well, numbers of reasons. The first thing is it's an outstanding piece of scholarship and a wonderful example of brilliantly executed and beautifully written conversation analysis. So just on that, those two scores, it's worth reading. But the other thing is it's got a profound place as a contribution to psychology. 
And it's a way of marrying up the insights of conversation analysis that the way in which people do things is going to be uh, through the operation of talk and the ex exchange of talk between interlocutors and the notion of some internal unseen development in the person's mind. So Wotton starts with simple observations of his own children, a bit like Piaget, really, but with greater attention to the videotape. And he says, look, these children, just by dint of what you can see and hear them saying and doing, give you an insight into how their mental faculties must be progressing internally. So it's going beyond what CA would traditionally feel itself comfortable with and making claims about internal competences, but not on the basis of inference in the way that, say, an experiment might infer something as being inside because of the behaviours shown on the outside, but by dint of the capacities which must, just simply logically, be necessary for the child to have done, to have said this and done that, and her or his interlocutor to have done that and said this. So as a, a testament to what a really excellent CA can do when it's marrying up two very different disciplines, I think Tony Wooden's work is absolutely exemplary. Thank you very much to Charles for helping us to record this interview. We're sure that you will all enjoy it and find it as useful as we have. Thanks also to Peter Daniel for providing our title track, Ethnomethodology, from the album Convulsive Listening. This interview format is one of many types of podcasts that the ISCA Publications Committee is currently working on. We're also hoping with our new website, social media presence and the forum newsletter which are now becoming better established to generate discussion and collaboration and to invite members of the community to join us in the publications committee and also to help us with editing, trying things out and discovering new ways of sharing our interest and excitement about these naturalistic explorations of social interaction. So if you have any ideas or you'd like to participate, please go to conversationanalysis.org, reach out to us. We'd love your input on what we're doing, which is to hopefully establish a really international connection between our EM and CA communities. Thank you for listening.